Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Other Castle. The Other Castle! I'm Andrea, one of the hosts of The Other Castle. And my name is Tom, the other host of The Other Castle. But I'm the first other host, so it's pretty cool. Okay. <laughs> what do we do in The Other Castle, Tom? Well, we break down the plot, lore, and more of video games. We go through their backstories. We go through their actual stories. You know, we cover as much of it as we possibly can. So you cover games like Untitled Goose Game? <laughs> That totally have a plot and backstory and lore in the world. <laughs> yeah, or, you know, games like Red Dead Redemption 2. Which have way too much plot and turned into a five-hour extravaganza where I think I needed to take a nap afterwards. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, we're kind of doing the audiobook versions of video games at this point. <laughs> That's kind of cool, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I've described it as an auditory walkthrough. We've uh, had to describe it as many different things at this point. Yeah, but it's fun stuff. So we are going to break down the story and the backstory, including some behind the scenes fun and in front of the scenes fun for your favorite video games. And today we are closing out our animal trilogy. <laughs> the animal trilogy it, it, indeed, right? It's our Cornetto trilogy. Right. We started with Wolf Among Us. Yeah. Going into Untitled Goose Game. Yep. And now this week we are doing Stray. Stray, the cat game. The cat game, indeed. Yes. Uh, this is actually going to be kind of the newest game in terms of like when it came out to when we do an episode that we've ever done. That's true. You tried to keep us from doing more current games for hashtag spoiler alerts, but like, fuck it. The internet exists. Yeah, at this point, fuck it. <laughs> and it's Stray. Like, it's so much fun. How could you not want to do this game? I was so excited when the trailer dropped for this and could not wait to play it was a day one player and am very happy with my experience so i am stoked on this i am too and then in re-exploring this world and getting really into it it was like holy fuck stray had so much to offer for a five-hour game oh my god yeah considering how short it is it is really incredible and you know i'm a cat person so all about it. That's true. We do have our podcat with us today, Mabel. Mabel, our wonderful calico cat. She is seven years old. We adopted her from a cat adoption place where everyone was going for this very beautiful kitten that had like a cool half face, like two faced fucking split down the middle color scheme thing going on. And then there was this grumpy cat with this big old gut. Who is like, I am not into this. <laughs> Just hanging out in a corner all by herself. She fully gave us the vibes of get me out of here and I <laughs> promise you I will be chill. And so far, so good. Yeah, she's been a pretty good cat so far. And you know, I don't have a problem with dogs. Just that I'm a cat person because a cat would never snitch on you for holding. That's true. So I am <laughs> team cat forever for that. You don't have many drug cats running around. Yeah. <laughs> There's no, uh, yeah, there's no cats that are going to narc on you. <laughs> you know, a cat will be like, you up to some shit? Good for you. The cat what? just wants their own catnip if you're going to, uh, you know, mess around. Yeah. <laughs> the cat's like, you do you, but cut me in if I'm a part of this. Like, yeah, you get yours, I got to get mine. Yeah, like dogs work for the cops. Cats work for like libraries and shit. <laughs> you know, it's a different kind of service. It's a different vibe. And that's that more aligns with my values as cats. Of uh, leave me alone, but if I'm involved, give me something. <laughs> this makes me sound great. But <laughs> cats are the best, and I love it, and I'm really excited about this game. So Stray is a very recent game, to your point. It is one of the newest games we've done. I am super stoked. We have both played it. Mm -hmm. We played it through to completion both. I think 
It took me three days because I blocked it out and I didn't want to run through the whole thing in one day, even though very easy to do, because as you said, it's only about five hours. Yeah, I think I did it in two sittings. Not bad. Yeah, not too bad at all. Well, let's get into kind of where Stray came from, because it's such a different idea. It's something that we haven't seen before in a video game. We just played on titled Goose Game. I know, but in terms <laughs> of playing as a cat. Okay, that's fair. I'm fucking with you. <laughs> it's no goat simulator. If that's right, right, right. I think that's the core concept of what you're trying to say here. It is definitely not a goat simulator. <laughs> goat simulator is insane, though, by the way. I, I actually know nothing about it. It's ex- Yes, you do. It's exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> it's more aligned with Untitled Goose Game than Stray, certainly. But we're here to talk about Stray today. Well, in 2015, there were two former Ubisoft employees by the names of Kula and Viv. Those are great names, by the way. Right. It's not their birth names, but a lot like some of our other creators that we've covered on the show, like Bendy and the Ink Machine's The Meatly, <laughs> they prefer to go by their creator names over their birth names. And so, you know, we respect that. Kula and Viv sounds like a fashion line. Like, I love that. Oh, right. That's pretty good. I would wear, you know, I wear Kula and Viv. Yeah, like, oh, is that a hoodie? Oh, K and V. I feel you. Yeah, no, that's fucking <laughs> sick. That's just good branding for creatives. Hell yeah, Kula and Viv. Well, instead of calling their studio Kula and Viv, they called it B12. Mm, like the shot. And don't ask them where it comes from because it's ridiculous. They're like 12, you know, like 12 fingers on your hands. Nope. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're very goofy about it. They don't really want to go into where the name came from. Good for them. Just make shit up. <laughs> right. Kinda I like, like that chaotic energy. They've got like the whole Joker uh, origin story vibe going with them. <laughs> you want to know how I got these scars kind of vibe? Yeah. <laughs> but you want to know how I named my studio? <laughs> Well, you know, they both worked for Ubisoft, and they were kind of tired of making the same shit over and over again. Just a lot of Rayman and Rabid Rabbits and yeah. shit. Yeah, and they wanted to do something they've just never seen before. So they really sat down and just, like, thought about different things and all these different ideas of what people hadn't done. And they landed on the idea that nobody's really made a game just about a cat before. This is exactly how the team House House came up with Untitled Goose Game. Yeah. <laughs> Where they just went... I don't know, geese are cool. I haven't seen that in a video game. Oh, no. But I know this isn't the same game. <laughs> no, not at all. Like, these two games, there's parts that resemble each other. Because you're an animal and that's it. <laughs> and I said this last week on our last episode during Untitled Goose Game. Like, there are going to be parts where it's just going to be like, this is fucking shockingly familiar to what we just talked about in Untitled Goose Game. And yet these <laughs> games couldn't be more different. Tonally, opposite ends of the spectrum entirely. Yeah. In t- oh, absolutely, completely different tones of games. In 100%. Okay, so <laughs> I apologize for all the goose game honks. I don't, <laughs> it's like a Bioshock, but it's just a goose, right? I don't, I'm not going to do a thing. I don't need to be drinking during this. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> no, there's actually no Bioshots tonight. No Bioshots at no, all? No, I don't got one, but we're going to talk about something, actually, though, when we get to it. Okay. They also thought, not only is there no games about cats, there's definitely no games about cats in a dystopian future. Definitely not. What the fuck? So yeah, they got together. They started the company B12 Studios and they got to work on their little untitled cat game. Untitled cat game. Go fuck yourself. You're making this too easy for me. (laughs) If you mess with a honk, you're going to get the bonk, Tom. All right, fine, fine. So they did call it HK Project. That's not as cool as Untitled Cat Game, but I'll give you that one. Well, you know, you you got all upset about it when I said Untitled Cat Game, so that's what we're going to go with. I can't pick a side. (laughs) 
They did something really cool, though, to pitch their game. Instead of coming up with, like, a sample level or something like that, they created a GIF that just kind of represented what they wanted to present. Oh. It was just of a cat wandering around, like, this little cyberpunk-like alleyway, and they just posted it to Twitter. Really? That was it. That's That's all they did? How they kind of pitched their whole idea, and they kind of got to work because the people that followed them were like, holy fuck, what is this? This is cool. What, yeah. what are you doing here? Like, this looks really rad. Not even a storyboard. Literally just, here's the atmospheric moment. No sound, because it's a GIF, or GIF, if you will. Yeah. Whatever, I don't care. <laughs> but really, that's fascinating. Yeah, and so the two of them just kind of got to work on this little game, and after about six months, this little GIF that could made the rounds and ended up on the desk, well, on the desktop, of an executive over at Annapurna Interactive. Oh, we know them. They're our old friends. Right. So they did uh, What's Eating Edith Finch. What's that game we called? <laughs> Who's Afraid of Edith Finch? Who's Afraid of Edith Finch? Uh, uh, what Remains of Edith Finch. Do not email me. <laughs> that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't what, at me. What Lies Beneath Edith Finch. <laughs> the Edith Finch one. Right. Yeah. Which we've, we've covered. If you are a fan spoiler alert not my favorite game (laughs) it's a lot of dead people it is a lot of dead people so it's got that going for it right (laughs) if you count that i wanted to shoot something (laughs) to be fair this game's got a lot of dead people too that's fair literally all the dead people all the dead people oh no obviously this show has spoilers just to (laughs) throw it out there if you didn't get what we're doing if you haven't played this and you don't want the story ruined you are in the wrong place come back after you've played it Again, only five hours. Right. But yeah, Annapurna Interactive put out What Remains of Edith Finch, which we've covered, which is really great art and really interesting storytelling. But where it really succeeds on those fronts, it kind of does take a backseat to gameplay, where I think Stray has absolutely knocked all three of those components out of the water. It really did. It really did a wonderful job of combining the gameplay and the storytelling. Just for seeing that evolution of game development with Annapurna Interactive of really killer gameplay, really beautiful art, and then, you know, weaving in this incredibly moving story when you're just to boil it down you're a fucking cat like (laughs) (laughs) incredible accomplishment well this little two-person team after annapurna interactive got involved soon ballooned out to around 28 at its height hell yeah and two full-time cats two full-time cats are they included in this 28 are we gonna call that around 30 with the the two cats it's 30 with the two cats hell yeah let's give them a seat at the table and to be real like everybody was allowed to bring their cats there was just only two that were considered the full-time cats (laughs) imagine being a part-time cat oh i love this too much well they found you know they're making a game about cats they wanted cats present they wanted that like feeling of cats to be around they wanted the inspiration to remain they also wanted to be able to catch anything that was weird that a cat did and like maybe they can throw it into the game kind of shit you know what's something weird our cats done something weird i mean i cleaned up puke today that's not that weird all cats barf i know but i hate doing it and it was something that's just that you don't do it every day and so i guess that's weird you just wanted to get that off your chest. I really <laughs> needed to get that off my chest because I'm a little pissed that I had to clean up puke today. You did tell me during my work day, like, guess what Mabel just did? <laughs> <laughs> One thing that our cat does that is not really present in the game and might just be an idiosyncratic thing that our cat does is she's clumsy as 
fuck. I've seen her fall while just standing. She'll just be hanging out and then just trip and go like she's embarrassed. I've seen her miss a chair that she's jumped into every single day and then just go, (laughs) you guys didn't see that. Like she tries to play it off and she's not that old where her motor functions aren't working. This bitch is just clumsy. I love her, but she's not coordinated. She is not graceful like a cat. No, she is lumpy. She makes thuds. It's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, so they kept their cats in the studio and allowed their, you know, animators and just everybody that worked there to also have their cats. They had a really good office life balance. I'd like to think that there's, you know, the gendered bathrooms, the inclusive bathroom, and then just a bunch of kitty litter pans in the same bathroom hall. (laughs) So that everyone has to poo in the same place. Right. Because, you know, you have that many cats. For every additional cat after the first one, you have to have like a second litter and a third litter. So if you have two cats, you're supposed to have three litter boxes. So to have that many cats, you have to just have a fucking sandbox, right? (laughs) Yeah. And be like, fuck it. This is our lives now. And, you know, they had a different work culture because this game was actually made in France. It does have a certain European flair to it. It does. And we're like I was saying in a previous episode, like we're getting these really awesome independent games out of Europe right now. And it's really cool. Yeah. House House is Australian, but still, you know, we appreciate the uh, imported animal games. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, just all over the world is doing some really, really great games. And then Wolf Among Us was aggressively American. Hey, let's see South America do some shit. Come on, South America. Let's see some games out of you. Yeah. What would you? What animal would you like to see them do? A weird game of an alpaca game that I would love to see Ooh. them do. I don't know. I, I just thought of South American animals. I think an alpaca kind of is from there, right? I went with lizard in my head. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hell yeah. That'd be cool to see a lizard game. Yeah. Cause you can like climb up shit and maybe do some chameleon uh, invisibility shit, like in the Miles Morales Spider Man, just blending into things. That's have where them, my brain went. Have them reboot the Gex series. <laughs> But like make it dystopian and shit. <laughs> you could use your tongue to do crazies. I think there's something there. Wise cracking in the future. Yeah. Well, they built this game out using Unreal Engine 4. Damn. Yeah, they wanted to be able to have like that level of realism and depth that they wanted to achieve, but they also wanted the asset library that comes with Unreal Engine. Totally. And they just they constantly talk about how easy Unreal Engine made this game's development as well. I mean, everything that comes out of Unreal is so beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. And they didn't want it just to be innovative and new. They want it to look as good as possible as well. Oh, yeah. No, the hard work paid off. So you said they started working on this in 2015. That's like when the idea first happened. Got it. You know, that was the conceptualization of it. They Got didn't it. really start working on it until about 2016 and really picked up steam in 2017 once Annapurna came on board. Goodness, it's still like such an incredible length of time to put together this game. It's about an hour a year. Yeah, from, <laughs> you know, from conceptualization to release, it was seven years. That's incredible. Yeah, for oh. this tiny little five hour game. But at the same time, and it's, you know, it's also Blue 12's first game. Oh my gosh. So this Beautiful. is the first thing that they've released. So they really wanted to release something that was as perfect as they could make it. Guys, this is why we're never getting Grand Theft Auto 6. <laughs> right? Because this five hour game was seven years from concept to release. Yeah. <laughs> it was a tiny team though, to be fair. Okay. And a bunch of cats. And you know those cats like walked across the fucking keyboards <laughs> and they deleted an entire level at one point, I'm sure. <laughs> Just ruining shit everywhere and going, but I'm cute. Give me treats. One of the full-time cats was the (laughs) clear inspiration for the main character cat of the game. Henry. You say Henry. The cat does not have an actual name. I 
think it's Henry. I know. You love a good video game Henry, though. I do. <laughs> <laughs> He's named after all the Henrys in my life. I love him very dearly. Well, the cat that was inspired from's name is Murtaugh. Murtaugh! Yes, and he actually belonged to the studio as a whole. Oh, like when you're in the third grade and you get like a guinea pig for the class, that kind of shit? Yeah, well, he was a stray himself and they actually found him underneath a car. The true namesake of the game, too. Yeah, so Blue 12 Studios officially adopted Murtaugh as their own. Oh, I love that. They literally were just like, you live with us now. Come on, Murtaugh. Is his name Murtaugh because he's too old for this shit? Yes, because one of them actually already had a cat named Riggs, which is Murtaugh's partner in the Lethal Weapon series. Oh, I haven't seen those, but I know the meme of Murtaugh going, I'm too old for this shit. Yeah, Riggs is his partner. Is he the one that can pop his shoulder out of his socket? Riggs is, yeah. I can do that too. You think it's gross. I would take you to the hospital if I saw it happen. You've seen it happen all the time. And I just you're just like, oh, I'm going to hit myself against the wall. Like, no. Yeah, if you raise your arm in the right angle, if it's not that popped out, you can kind of shove it back if you throw yourself at a wall. But if it's too popped out and you can't move your arm, you have to just kind of jump at the wall at the right angle and then you can get it back in and you stretch it back out. Yeah. Well, despite being the inspiration, uh, Murtaugh was not the motion capture cat that they used. Can you mocap a cat? You actually can. There are outfits to do mocap uh it's really funny looking that these (laughs) cats have like little ping pong balls all over it they didn't really do mocap for this game though i feel like no cat would appreciate that anyone who's ever interacted with a cat knows they would not appreciate being in a a very uh hugging suit with balls that they can't really play with on them no no cat would deal with that no they really just had a cat for reference for the animators got it and it was a sphinx cat which is a fully hairless cat But it's a lot better for the animators because they can see the muscles, the different body parts, how the cat actually moved. And then fur is just like a program. That makes sense. Okay, that's really smart. Yeah, right? No, and so that's why this was considered the other full-time cat because this is the one that they were using the most for all the different like animations and stuff. Do you think that if they didn't have a Sphinx cat, they just have to shave a cat? Oh my god. No, I think they'd just go out of their way and get a Sphinx cat. Like, <laughs> it wouldn't be like, Murtaugh, baby, get they, the razor out. Yeah, they might have gone out of their way to get a Sphinx cat specifically. I'd like to think. <laughs> be like, man, we're really not nailing these tails. All right, we got to shave Murtaugh from like the butt down. No, no, they went out and got Oscar instead. Okay, the okay. stunt cat. Yeah. <laughs> got it. The body cat. He's my body double. The setting for the game was inspired by a very real place in China that was called Kowloon Walled City. Oh. And the history of this city honestly could fill a podcast all by itself and probably does. I'm sure you can find a hundred podcasts about Kowloon Walled City. I've never heard of this place. Yeah, it was this 6.4 acre rectangular kind of like apartment complex. And it functioned as its own little city. And this place started, I think, in like 900 Oh, my God. Yeah, and wasn't destroyed until, I think, the 70s. Holy shit. And at one point, it had 50,000 people in it. (gasps) Whoa. It contained the highest density of person per square inch of anywhere in the world. Oh, my God. It sounds so humid. Yeah, I mean, and that's why it ended up getting, like, abandoned and later demolished. And, like, today, I think it's actually, like, a nice little, like, green park-like area. (laughs) We will replace this overstuffing of humans with just open air. (laughs) 
Yeah, honestly, we'll throw something up on our Instagram. You'll want to see what this place looks like. That's wild. And the reason that it was the inspiration for the game is that in order to make a terrain that is accessible to cats, they needed a city that was more vertical than horizontal. Oh, that makes sense. Cats are climbers. Yeah, they're climbers. So this allows for a cat to like scale pipes, air conditioning units, clotheslines, scaffolding, that kind of shit. Yeah, definitely. Okay. And out of pop culture, the classic inspiration of Blade Runner is also there with the whole like kind of cyberpunk future that you see. Anytime you see something rainy with neon lights, you can just assume Blade Runner is somewhere at fault. Absolutely. But they also pulled a lot from a movie called Bloodsport starring Jean-Claude Van Damme. And that's because it was actually filmed in Kowloon City (gasps) before it was demolished. Oh, that's crazy. So they were like, okay, we have real footage of this place in use as... A set piece. Yeah, and it's a martial arts movie, so they're doing all sorts of crazy stunts off of shit, you know. Yeah, very environmental scenes, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, running through this this whole, like, city and stuff, yeah. Cool. As we were saying, like, the game really got started around 2016, 2017, and the game and studio was still being built when the COVID pandemic hit. Oh my god, COVID, fuck. Right, and obviously it caused some delays in production. However, it being their first game, they really were able to pivot kind of easily and didn't have as big of a delay as some of the other studios did. (laughs) They're like, we're a new studio. Of course we work from home. This is fine. Yeah, they were new. So everything they were doing, they were so used to change. Yeah, when you're in a startup, everything's always changing. So you're like, fuck it. This might as well happen. Yeah, absolutely. And so they were able to finally release the game on July 19th, 2022. Oh, so good. And it came out on PS4, PS5, as well as Windows PC. I think it did set some Steam records, but uh, or maybe some Twitch records, but I don't want to jump the gun too fast on that. Yeah, and when it came out, it received overall positive reviews with a Metacritic score of it as like a respectable 83. For a first game, that's great. And honestly... A little low. I would give this game like a solid 86, 87. Yeah, I was going to say around 85 would probably be right for the game. And, you know, people love the story, the experience of being a cat and the beautiful world they created. Mm -hmm. There was so fun to be a cat. Oh, right. It's so much fun to be a cat. Like it's a full puzzle game. But you also do little shit like knock things off of walls. (laughs) It's so satisfying. Yeah. You curl up into a little ball. You're a cat. It's fantastic. It's wonderful. It's everything you want. And that was kind of one of the worries of the game was that it was just going to be a gimmick. Totally. You do it for... It's like Goose Game, right? Where you can run through Goose Game in 90 minutes and do the entire thing. And all you do is honk and like cause mayhem. This very easily could have been that. (laughs) Yeah, but it proved to be, like, a whole lot more, has a full story to tell, and it was a really effective adventure puzzle game. And it almost made me cry, so fuck you, Stray. (laughs) Not fair. Honestly, if anything, it was just a little short. Yeah, truly. And thanks to the extreme level of detail they put into the movements of the cat, the game went viral upon release. Oh, how could it not? I remember the trailers coming out and people going... So there's this game where you can just play as a fucking cat? Yeah, but also real cats were reacting to the cats that were on the screen. Oh my god, this was the greatest thing that ever happened on social (laughs) of just cats going, the fuck is happening? Yeah, there's tons of videos and honestly our own cat Mabel even had like a pretty big reaction when we first started playing the game too. She did stare at it and was confused when it kept meowing out of the speakers at her. And the game has done some actual good for actual cats as well. Oh. 
Annapurna Interactive worked with a charity called Cats Protection to help get some stray cats to some much needed forever homes. I love that, Annapurna. Yeah, so I mean, if you are looking to donate, we highly suggest donating to Cats Protection because you know, that's who Annapurna Interactive helped out as well. And, you know, this is a great game. And if that's what's going to uh, help a few cats get off the street, that's wonderful. That is beautiful. I love that. Stray helping strays. Right. Stray helping strays indeed. Well, unless anybody has any objections, I think it's time to get into it. Yeah, let's do it. Let's press start on this game. New right. file. Stray time. Well, the game opens on a dark and stormy night. Ooh, spooky. And wherever we are, it's concrete and industrial, but nature has clearly taken over and there's plant life overtaking most everything. Oh, wasn't that the best part of COVID though when you were like seeing the videos of parks being completely clean and water getting back to watercolor and Nature stuff? coming back and shit, yeah. Yeah, and that only lasted for two months, but it was a really cool two months. <laughs> well, at least they had the inspiration while they were making the game. That's true. They were like, oh, so this does happen pretty quickly. Yeah. Oh, that's what that looks like. Yeah. Oh, humans are gross. Well, it appears to be that we're in a big, deep pit, and the camera's going down into it, and the camera pulls into a tunnel, and there's pipes and overgrowth, and four cats just lounging about in the tunnel, as cats do, watching the storm outside. Cats do love watching the storms. And the cats are all different colors and breeds, with one being black, one being orange, and two that are white and orange. And you take control of the orange one. Ginger Henry. And honestly, I really wish they'd let you choose the breed of the cat, because the breed of the cat in the game has zero bearing on the story at all. <laughs> and like, you know, I'm sure it's been viral enough that people are familiar. There are mods where you can change the cat into insane things, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit later, but... Oh, yeah, on yeah. PC and stuff you can, but we play on PlayStation. It would have been nice to play as a calico. Yeah, for maybe babies. Well, anyway, you can go and mess about with the other cats, but eventually you all cuddle up and sleep in a nice little pile. Oh, cat pile. And you awaken after the storm has passed, and one of your curious companions decides to go off and explore the outside world. Hell yeah, you're a cat. What do cats do? They're curious. And they explore. They love to explore. That's true. And this game does have section titles, but they're really just locations, so I'm not going to like go into like chapters or anything for this game, but they do have them. Not a dead space situation? No, not at all. It's not like, the cat is a lie. <laughs> no, no. Okay. So the cats go out and they roam around on the pipes and ledges that are all the remnants of a civilization long gone, kind of like Chernobyl. Oh. It's all very industrial, lots of concrete, tons of pipes everywhere, all of it just overgrown with vines and ivy and shit. And this section does serve as a tutorial, and we learn very important controls, such as how to scratch, drink oh. from puddles, mm. meow. I love meowing in this game so goddamn much <laughs> there is an achievement you can unlock when you meow too much i think it's like chatty catty or something cheeky like that oh it's so good and the meows are satisfying and the meows really are murtaugh's meows right correct yeah they use real cat meows oh and yeah you can jump and shit too but like yeah like you said the important thing is you can meow <laughs> also there's motion whatever but really meowing is the star of the show here and it's nice, too, because they're all button prompts, and they're not necessarily like a QTE, but you don't need precision when moving about the map. I always appreciate that because it makes a casual gaming experience very relaxing. 
when it's not a timed thing or it's not a very specific gaming mechanic where it's like, if you don't hit this, you die or you restart. Like, no, I'm just going to do this at my leisure. Yeah. And it's also a game about a cat. They didn't want you killing it every couple of minutes. Yeah. (laughs) And it's a cat. You can only do things when you want to. Right. You're on your own goddamn timeline (laughs) as a cat. That's very true. No, they just want you to be able to enjoy the game. That was kind of the whole idea. They did have it for a while where there were precision jumps, there was platforming and stuff, and they're like, it's just frustrating at that point. We want this to be fun. (laughs) This isn't a game about being frustrating. This is a game about having fun. It's not true to the cat. Right. For example, you walk up to a ledge, you see the X button appear on the ledge, and the cat jumps to that spot. And so, yeah, they went with this whole like auto-aim feature for those aspects so that players could focus on the story and the puzzle solving, which is like the exact opposite of what Psychonauts did. <laughs> They're like, well, we'll take the wheel on this one, buddy. You just enjoy being a cat. Yeah, they let the uh, game just kind of handle those little aspects for you. And Psychonauts said, fuck you, we're doing this. <laughs> right. You and the other cats seem to be in a nice, happy little polyamorous family as you're all licking each other and Mm. nuzzling up on one another and stuff. There's no clear genders or defined relationships to any of the other cats. Mm. And the four of you go deeper and deeper into this abandoned zone. And at one point, the other three cats cross a pipe. And just as you jump, the pipe gives way and breaks. And your cat goes falling down, down, down. Henry, no! And it claws over the edge, just trying to keep hold. And the other cats just kind of like look over the edge, looking down at you, kind of like, like, oh. And then your cat just lets go and falls into the dark abyss below. This made me want to cry. Immediately. (laughs) Immediately, because the way the cats look down, they know they can't do anything. So they're just trying to get one last look at you. And you look so scared in your stupid cat eyes. And it's beautiful. Oh. Well, it is fortunately one of those situations where it's actually just like a very steep slope and the cat more slides down the side, landing on a huge pile of trash and stumbles end over end, eventually landing and falling unconscious. Oh, poor baby cats. You wake up sometime later and you're limping and hurting and you're in a deep, dark tunnel far below the earth. Mm. The tunnel leads deeper still into darkness and you have to follow the path down into it, but you can't make it very far on three legs and collapse. Oh, and if you meow here, it's like the saddest meow. Oh, yeah. It's like a struggling meow. Oh, poor baby cats. While you're under, we see a vault door open, like a garage door, kind of partially, allowing two little pug-sized creatures run under it. Mm. Now, the cat didn't see that, and they are this game's version of like a classic face hugger, but for a cat. (coughs) And fortunately, these two are scurrying off. The cat awakens and continues into the tunnel and finds a gate and goes through it and comes out the other side into a run-down, like, slum town. Mm. And it's not overgrown, like, up above, but it is run-down. Like, kind of like a shitty 1980s New York. (laughs) Like in The Wolf Among Us. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, very much so. (laughs) Oh, no. They're in Fable Town. And up ahead, you see a bunch of those facehugger creatures, and their eyes glow red, and they just kind of scatter off as you approach. You can't trust anything that has glowing red eyes. Like, no. I appreciate that that's universal evil. It is clear that this area is still kind of active in some way, as there's, like, lights on, and you can encounter these security cameras that are, like, following you. Ooh. And if you meow at them, they nod at you, indicating someone's behind the controls. <laughs> I love that so much. You showed me that. Yeah, and it's, and it's not like a non-threatening thing. It's almost like it's waving high at you. It's so cute. The more you explore, though, the more apparent the place is like 
very recently abandoned as you encounter bodies laying in the street. Bodies? Okay, so these bodies aren't human. Mm. They're robots. Robot bodies. But they're like a humanoid robot, like the Tin Woodsman or Bender from Futurama. Yeah. But they have different generations of computer monitors as faces instead, which is weird. So it's like a single color will appear, and so you'll get like two dots for the eyes and a mouth for the majority of these creatures. They're mostly CRT-based computer monitors that they have for faces as well. Oh, so there's CRT in this world, but not our own. And I don't think you mean they're outdated. (laughs) I'm making a joke. You should learn about real history. Yeah, they're very simple robot face designs, but I don't know, there's a certain simplicity with games like this that make them very universally understood like i'm sure this game did well overseas and stuff just outside because you know you just really need to do patches for the certain pieces of language but other than that you know just visually this game would translate very well to any language as long as you can get you know those little details down but there's simplicity in the art that helps tell the story a lot yeah much like untitled goose game it has a mr bean quality that is very kind of universal across all languages a mr bean quality yes that's perfect but this is much darker (laughs) he's a little he is definitely that goose game uh world well like i said these are the bodies of robots they're not active or anything uh however there are some old tvs that are on and as you approach they flash to follow me with some arrows and and a symbol of a cat on them I love that it's a symbol of a cat, just to make it very fucking clear what's happening here. I love the way they point the way in this game entirely, because they use a lot of neon lights with arrows and stuff like that. They don't necessarily, like, the TV saying, follow me, is the most direct thing that it does. Otherwise, it's a very kind of indirect way of pointing you in directions, and they use a lot of signage and shit like that. And there's also, like, one point where there's, like, a huge name of a company's neon lights, but only the H-E-L-P, like, lights up at one point, you know, kind of stuff. It's very well done. So cool. And the cat moves its way deeper into this abandoned city using scaffoldings and air conditioners, smashing windows, scratching carpets, riding in buckets. It's really showcasing the different ways puzzles are going to be solved throughout the different portions of the game. You skimmed over my favorite thing, which is when the cat rides in a bucket. I mean, riding in the bucket is really fun. It's the cutest fucking thing. It's this game's version of fast travel. (laughs) You just sit in a bucket. It's as complex as it needs to be. Yeah, and honestly, all this is not to say that this game's repetitive at all. The game never really repeats any mechanics outside of the basic controls. When we were playing this, you were super impressed with that. Yeah, it introduces a concept, it gives you some practice with it, lets you do something fun with it to either like solve a puzzle or even fight a bad guy, and then it just moves on to a new concept and we don't revisit again. I can appreciate that because, you know, sometimes you're like, man, that was a pain in the ass, and they're like, do it again 12 times, and you're like, what the yourself unlike psychonauts where you literally have to use every single thing you've ever learned to make it through right yeah or i'm thinking of back to halo when they were developing that and they said all you need is 30 seconds of fun and you repeat that 30 seconds over and over again and you have a game you said the quiet part out loud halo (laughs) don't admit to that (laughs) tetris is like shaking in their boots going they're not supposed to tell people the secret And this game was like, no, let's just keep it refreshing and keep it alive and keep it something different after every little level. And it's really well done in that way. Definitely. The next thing you encounter isn't alive, but it is moving. Mm. 
it's an upper torso of a robot, and it's, like, crawling one arm toward you like a fucking horror movie. Oh, my God. But it does run out of steam and dies. Oh, so sad. Yeah, the cat just kind of, like, goes up, sniffs it, and moves on. Because cats don't give a fuck. No, not at all. You dead? All right, bye. All right, late. And the whole time you're running through this abandoned area, you keep seeing these creatures. And like I said, they're about the size of a pug, but they're mostly the traditional head crab, except they have one big eyeball. And they're kind of cutesy more than scary, though. Oh, they're gross. I don't. They, <laughs> they look squishy. Like, not that they would die easily, but I just feel like I just I want to put them under a boot. And I don't like them. I, I no, I don't. I don't agree. I don't like them. I they, don't think they're cute. I think they're gross. Not a fan. They do have like a little chirping sound that's cute though. They kind of look like the bugs that Timon and Pumbaa eat in Lion King. Where they, <laughs> I know that's a weird pull, but that's what I'm thinking of. Is like those weird, giant, juicy bugs. Like It's like if a gusher came to life and was evil. Ugh. That's what this shit looks like to me, and I don't like it. Well, every time they see you, they scatter off and run down a side alley or something. And eventually, though, the cat turns a corner and comes face to face with pretty much all the little face buggers. Ah! And they start to chase after you, and you learn how to run. Oh, that's helpful. As a cat, you like to do that occasionally. Yeah, and these little fuckers are scary, but the music is like super exciting, and it makes for an excellent chase scene. Oh, the score is so atmospheric in this game. So well done. Like, Annapurna doesn't miss on music. No. You know, they come from storytelling in general. They've done a lot of movies Mm -hmm. and very... You know, they're a little more on the indie side. They're more contemporaries to A24 in that sense. But because of that, they have this focus on incredibly atmospheric, unique pieces of storytelling. And they don't fucking miss here. It's so good. No, absolutely. And here's the thing. I know I said before, like, they don't want you dying all the time. You can still die in this game. Which is so sad. Yeah. It's just that they didn't want it happening constantly. And just because you, like, fucked up a jump or something like that. Yeah. However, like these little guys, what they can do is they like start to jump on you and they kind of overtake you. And you know what it reminds me of is in The Incredibles when he sets off the alarm and it shoots off all those like little like gray things and they start growing on him and he can't move any further yeah. and shit like that. It's kind of what's happening with these things. Like it'll like jump onto you and then like it weighs you down. So more and more jump on you and it finally like overtakes you and you can die that way. That's entirely exactly what it's like. That's so funny that you said that. But, you know, it's not difficult. Right. But if you do die nine times, there is a secret unlockable. But <laughs> I don't wanna I don't wanna spill the beans on that. Just go play it. It's fun. Yeah. And through the whole chase, they're using the signage in the area to cleverly show you the way as you're moving through at like a very high pace, quickly and deeply into this little slum. One of my favorite pieces in this is when you're trying to get across some rooftops, there are some Christmas lights or patio lights, string lights, whatever you call them in your area, and they light up in a sequence that kind of shows you the path of like go from here to here and which is a little stranger things of them but I thought that was a very unique way of storytelling you know they start with the obvious arrow that says follow me with a picture of a cat obviously (laughs) but then it gets into these really cool places that put you in the atmosphere and ease you into how to puzzle solve in this game of like we'll start easy and we'll elevate from there and here's how to read your environment to understand what we're doing Well, those Christmas lights that you describe actually take you straight into a room with a computer monitor that is no longer saying, follow me. Oh, creepy. Now it has like a forward slash need dot (gasps) help. 
And the cat kind of just roams around on the keyboard, as cats do, and it eventually says, body required for download. <laughs> Enter the door, turn on, find a body. Yeah. So you find a tiny little robot thing. Uh, it's like slightly smaller than the head of a cat. You get it into a position that powers it up, and the little robot comes to life, and it can fly and has an adorable little smiling face and big flappy eyebrows. Such a good sidekick. Yeah, it's more or less a drone that flies around using like little air jets, like a very sci-fi robot companion. Like It's like a miniature version of the ghost companion from Destiny or a miniature version of the monitor from Halo 2. <laughs> you know how fucking long it's been since I played a lot of games? I was thinking the fairy from Spyro. <laughs> <laughs> very much like that too, though. It's similar. They didn't invent this. Come on. Yeah, and this little floating robot guy, he can talk, but it doesn't have like a normal voice or anything. And this is kind of that Mr. Bean aspect that I was talking about before. So it's kind of like Simlish or the Peanuts cartoons. Wah, 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 wah. Yeah, that kind of thing. And all of the words in the game are just text on screen. So that makes the international translations crazy easy. Oh, I bet. Yeah. So again, my point, I assume this is doing... Very well overseas because it's accessible, it's kind, and who doesn't want to be a cat? Everybody loves cats. Everybody wants to be a cat. Cue the song. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't want Disney coming for us. No, not at all. No, nope. Please don't. Well, the little robot comes over to the cat and analyzes the cat's speech pattern after a single meow. Speech pattern. And is like, cool, I can understand cat now. <laughs> We all have done that, though. <laughs> I'd be lying if I haven't said I've come home after a night of partying and sat down in front of the cat and been like, you understand language. Yeah. <laughs> We're friends now. And we had a heart to heart. And this little robot introduces itself as B12. Hey, that's a reference to the game studio. Yeah. Well, this little robot named B12 wants to help you escape this city, but B12 is having robot amnesia at the moment and can't remember everything. How convenient. They haven't been turned on in a very long time, so. I can appreciate that the robot is out of memory or their memory is corrupted. They're just still booting up, essentially. Yeah, but you know, memory, technology, there's something there. Well, one thing he can do is at least translate for you all the signs and shit. He's got Google Translate in him. Yeah, and he can speak cat meow, so, you know. So there's that. There's that. <laughs> we all think we can speak cat meow after hanging out with a cat for two seconds. Get in line, buddy. Well, B12 says their battery is running low and they need their charging pack, which happens to perfectly fit on the back of a cat as it was designed for quadrupeds. <laughs> designed for, for quadrupeds. Whatever reason, right. <laughs> B12 puts it on you and you have a very uncomfortable time wearing it. It looks like every time you've ever tried to put clothes on a cat where they do this awkward steppy step motion where they're clearly not <laughs> happy about whatever's happening. They get like really long and low to the ground and they just look so uncomfortable. It's so upset. Really funny. And the cat only walks around a little bit like it, but eventually straightens out and gets normal and kind of like running around with this little backpack on now. I've put a Hawaiian shirt on our cat, which I thought was very funny. And every time I do it, Mabel just stares at me like, bitch, this is embarrassing. You know better. And I go, I don't. Yeah. Now this little backpack carries B12 around in it. So that way they can get charged up. And it also serves as like your inventory. On the day after this game came out, I saw ads saying that you could buy the backpack from Stray yeah. for your cat and do like cat cosplay. Cat and, cosplay. And I just went, get the bag, get that fucking bag. <laughs> Hell Make yeah. that money. Yes. 
Well, B12 and the cat exit the building they're in and make it into the main part of the city. And it looks a bit more alive with lights on in the distance and B12 says there's an elevator in the distance and all they know is that up is the way out. So that should be a good place to start. Does B12 kind of sympathize with you at this point of like, this is not where we're supposed to be. Let's figure some shit out. B12 doesn't know much. They just know that their mission is to get out. Okay. And they know that the cat is trying to get out. So they're like, you know what? I'm teaming up with you. You're a quadruped. You can hold my charging pack. And we have the same goal. And the cat's like, I couldn't care less. Well, you hop in one of those little buckets and you fly down across into the actual town itself. What a fun first like hour of life for B12. Right. And honestly, this little bucket ride reminded me a lot. I guess here you go. This is a Bioshock. Stop. Really? Okay. Yeah, there it is. It reminds me of that opening scene. You're kind of like going through this city for the first time. You're getting your first big glimpse around. You're looking around and seeing it for your first time. Yep. There you go. That's your Bioshock. There's no whale. No, there's no fucking but whale. <laughs> that moment of the whale when you're in the Bay of Sphere going down into Rapture is one of the most magical things in gaming. That's true. But, you know, cruising through and seeing some apartment rooftops is pretty cool. But I'll drink to that regardless. Yeah, you're in a underground city. There's no denying it. Glug, glug, glug. Once you get to the other side, you find a mural of a beach scene. And B12 comes out and says that they remember telling someone they were going to take them there someday. And B12's like, why the fuck? Where did that memory come from? <laughs> B12's like, my ex and I, oh no. <laughs> well, the two of them make their way into the next portion of the city in, in an area called the slums. And the shot is pretty iconic from the trailer. It's the cat walking down a dark alleyway and they see a robot at the far end and he's sweeping. And then the robot sees the cat and he gets startled and it hits an alarm and it runs through a nearby door, slamming it behind and this robot's movements are extraordinarily human-like. Really? Yeah, there's nothing like mechanical or robotic about their movement at all. Did you think so? No, but now I'm trying to think if, I wonder if they did mocap for that just to get like the motions right. I don't know. I just think they didn't want them to come across as robots. No, I certainly agree that they injected as much humanity into the robots as possible because they do feel like full characters. There's yeah. some that go through full arcs entirely. Mm -hmm, as we're going to have to discover. Yeah. They do feel very real and relatable, which is partially due, in fact, to the movements of them feeling real. And mm -hmm. there's something about their faces, while to your point, being very simple being easy to read and being able to relate to them and really see what's going on with them in their heads. And that's true, yeah. Well, the cat keeps running through the narrow streets and keeps encountering all these robots, and they all kind of scramble to get away from him. And the lights are all red and flashing, and robot after robot runs from you. <laughs> and you see one with a spear beckoning others towards them, and they all run into a garage that the spear holder is, like, closing, and then the spear holder, like, shuts it and then turns to approach you. He's so fucking cool. Yeah, and B12 can't understand the robot at first, but again, after one sentence, they know the entire language. <laughs> and so B12 can now translate this robot language into cat for you. Into cat. Okay, so B12 is, isn't hardwired into the cat. He's more letting the cat run around to charge him. So in theory, <laughs> while you may not hear the game audio, there's a robot going beep, boop, beep, boop, and then B12 processes this looks at Henry the cat and goes, 
Yeah, that's essentially what's happening. Yes. I love that. Obviously, they didn't do that uh, because that would be insane. But in my uh, director's cut, they absolutely would. Right. <laughs> in your head canon. In my head canon, B12 is making a lot of weird meows at the cat. And the cat's like, ah, yes. Hello. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, this robot, they say that they are unfamiliar with your species, but you don't look like a Zerk. So if you promise not to eat anyone, he's going to turn off the alarm and tell everybody you're safe. You have to promise to not eat anyone. Yeah. And so obviously you make that promise and you agree. And now all the robots come out of hiding and the city becomes a bit more lively with robots everywhere. Just kind of doing normal people shit like gardening, running a shop, stuff you see like in a typical JRPG village, really. They should have had the cat, like, shake on it. <laughs> Put his little paw up. Yeah. <laughs> Go from out. Well, the spear guy, he uh, suggests that if you're trying to get to the surface, you should see someone named Momo, as they're very scientific and can probably help. Momo is on my top 10 gels marble race teams. <laughs> Everyone knows I'm a Limer's No Rangers stan, but, you know, Momo's had some pretty impressive turnouts at the latest Marble Olympics. Oh, man, that is an obscure reference there. I know. I'm really showing my nerd shit. <laughs> uh, but the guy with the spear, he is called the Guardian. Yes, he is. He's the Guardian of the Slums, and I love him. He's got, like, a cloak situation and mm -hmm. a cool hat. He really seems to be the biggest protector of the town. I mean, there's a lot of authority in that, and people seem to kind of let him run the central part of town. I, I fuck with the Guardian. I think he's cool. Yeah, he's a pretty good character, but... This is really the most we're going to see from him. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because now you're free to move about the city in like a mostly open world space. And you can meet a whole bunch of robots as you explore. And most of them are going to like you. And the other thing that I really like about this that's different, as opposed to like Red Dead Redemption 2, where some characters have 80 pages of dialogue and are an NPC, <laughs> these characters have one thing to say, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, they are very much, this is my function. And it works because they are robots, you know? Right. Robots aren't necessarily always built to have a wide, complex array of emotions and functions and understanding of interacting with things. They're kind of like, this is my jam. And it's just nice because, you know, in a lot of games, you got to talk to somebody four or five times to get all the dialogue out of them. And these guys, you just talk to them once and that's it. Yeah, you get their whole deal. Yeah, and you also have items in your inventory, like I said, and you can show them shit and they'll comment on that. However, if they have nothing to say about it, every single robot's going to say the exact same thing about like, oh, yeah, I have nothing to say about that. Yeah, <laughs> just to also help you mentally be like, you are not the person I was supposed to talk to about that. No, exactly. And then once something's different, then it's like, oh, OK, that's something that I need to focus on. Yeah, it does. In that casual gaming sense, it makes it pretty easy to kind of Figure your shit out. Yeah. And then also these robots help to fill out kind of a lot of the lore of the world in which we're in, but they do it really slowly and methodical. I appreciate that, though, because I am the kind of person that talks to every NPC and like tries to interact with everything I can. So I, I think I may have put six and a half hours into this just because I was talking to people so much and like digging. Uh, but yeah. if you are someone who digs, you can dig on this because it's really fucking cool. <laughs> well, you know, a little glimpse into that, for example, you encounter a robot that's tending to some plants. And he says that the humans bred plants long ago through selective breeding and they no longer require any sunlight. 
So the plants have evolved. Yeah. And you get this real sense of reverence of humans from the robots. And you can see that a lot of their routines are in an attempt to show respect to humans. Like, obviously, you don't need plants. Like, humans like plants for aesthetic reasons and for natural reasons and, you know, for, like, farming purposes because we eat and need nutrients. Robots don't need that. So this is kind of an act of... um, It's a holy act almost. It's a ritual. Preservation. Yeah, I I guess you would say. And it's like almost like a shrine in some way. Yeah, that's fascinating. And yeah, the sense of like the humans did it. So I want to continue the tradition is very cool. Yeah. And B12 also provides a lot of the lore and backstory of this world as well as different things you encounter will cause them to like remember little things here and there. Yes. So that's the memory function. Right. For example. They refer to the robots as companions in that the behaviors they're exhibiting were never intended, like creating art and caring about inanimate objects the way humans do. It's like the AI of these companions evolved and they no longer imitate, they replicate. Mm. And so you're starting to notice just this kind of humanity about the robots as you explore the city. Ah, it's so cool. Eventually, you do make your way to Momo, and he's a very frustrated robot. Oh! And he has the face of an Apple II computer from, like, the 80s. <laughs> wow. But unlike every other robot that we've encountered, he has, like, a rainbow spectrum hue across the screen. I do like that the robots that are more integral to the plot have little flourishes in their outfits or in their styles just to be like, this is a story robot. (laughs) He's going to have an arc. You should pay attention. And they didn't do like copies of NPCs throughout the whole game either. Every robot's their own thing. But yeah, you're right. The, The ones that have something to do have a little bit extra to them. Yeah, like in that first part with the Guardian, there's, a, I think, four or five robots that are all monk robots yeah. that are inside the garage behind the Guardian. And they all have essentially the same design. They all have a, essentially the same robot, and they kind of have very similar voice lines of, yeah, I, I like to meditate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Mo, when you walk into Momo, he's like fixing something and has a wild outfit on and again that rainbow screen he's really cool he's got a lot of flourish yeah the other ones just have like a black or green screen like an old game boy yeah (laughs) you can tell who's special here there's some robots that have some serious main character energy (laughs) right right well momo tells you that going to the surface is a completely pointless endeavor oh some friends of his set off for the surface ages ago leaving momo all alone and now he is very lonely And Momo can't even get a hold of his friends to see if they made it to the surface, which leads Momo to believe it's probably not possible. Oh, that's so sad. Well, he gives you all his notes on how to make it to the surface because he's basically given up on this at this point. Oh, he's broken inside. And B12 actually feels bad for Momo being broken inside and wants to at least try and figure out a communication method so if Momo's friends are okay, they can send word back. Totally. In the notebook that Momo gives you, we see the names of his friends, and their names are Clementine, Zabaltazar, and Doc. So cool. (laughs) I love the futuristic names. (laughs) Doc is just a name slash profession, and then you've got Clementine, who's a manic pixie dream girl name, right? Right. Isn't that the name of the girl in Eternal Sunshine? That's fucking amazing. yeah. And then Zabaltazar? Zabaltazar, yeah. Bless you. That's a sneeze. That's amazing. (laughs) Oh, such good names in this game. 
Well, the two of you decide to go and see if there are notebooks at the homes of these friends to see if there's any clues on how to make it to the surface before venturing out, since it's clear that the three of them have at least made some kind of like headway on getting there. Yeah, they've at least gone through the entrance or exit of the city to something. Yeah, and while you're in Momo's apartment, you can find a poster for a video game. And B12 mentions that the game came out shortly after they were created and that they and the scientist used to play it together all the time. Now, B12 has no fucking clue who the scientist is, but they just know that there's somebody called the scientist. Oh, he just got a flash of a memory. Yeah, he just gets like a flash of memories from time to time. You make your way to Clementine's place and you find her notebook where it mentions the comms unit they were going to use and that it broke. Oh, no. And they just didn't have time to fix it due to like some hostile presence of some zerks nearby. It's so wild how the timing of this is (laughs) like there's so much pressure. Yeah, right? He also says that he could tell Momo was, like, way too scared to be coming with them to the surface anyway, and did not expect Momo to come. Oh. As you talk to more and more companions, you see that they are very scared of the Zerks, and the Zerks are those little face-hugger things we were talking about. Ah, yes, I hate them. You find out that they can eat through metal, organic material, and they will destroy literally anything that moves. That makes it so much worse. Yeah, the companions have fought extremely hard to keep them out of the city. Yeah, totally. But sometimes a population does end up taking over and they have to abandon that portion of the city and just seal it off, much like that first zone that the cat was coming through. Ugh, so gross, so scary. Hate everything about it. Yeah, they're awful. And when you get to Doc's place, his notebook talks about discovering a powerful UV lamp, or as we humans call it, a blacklight. (laughs) as us Room Raiders fans call it. (laughs) The Blacklight of Doom. And the Blacklight seems to work on killing the Zerks, and it should help them make their escape to the surface. Like uh, how sometimes in manufacturing you use like UVC lights as sanitized product. Right, yeah, right, exactly. This is kind of the same thing. Wild. So one thing I want to stop and talk about is one of the biggest mysteries that starts to develop in this game. Ooh. And that is the amount of time it's been since the humans disappeared. Yeah, because there's clearly no humans. These Zerks have come out of fucking nowhere. And we're at the point where robots are just doing their thing. So what's going on? Yeah, humans are fucking long gone by now. Yeah. And... There's some things that you can take from companions and what they say as indicators of how much time has passed. Okay. So like those monks you were talking about before, right? Mm -hmm. One of them mentions being over 3,000 years old. Oh, shit. So that does put a little bit of perspective into time. At least 3,000. So like while I was playing the game, I thought probably around 10,000 years in the future, right? Okay. However, in exploration, there is some writing on a wall. And on the wall, it mentions that it took robots 2,544,875,556 days for them to develop souls. Now, that many days comes out to roughly 6.9 million years. You also just glossed over souls. We'll get back to it. Yeah, right? So it's been millions of years. At least 6.9 million years. Oh my god, millions of years. Right, and B12 makes it clear these companions have evolved, though, from like a previous, more submissive version of robots. Okay, yeah, because they were companions, so it's probably doing 
house shit. Right. But these ones are like almost human like and their actions and their desires are that of humans. Oh, my God. Can you imagine if our Roomba did this? (laughs) That would be terrifying. Yeah. I mean, now Jeff Bezos owns our Roomba, so who knows what's possible? He does. Son of a fuck. (laughs) It was a wedding gift. So there's tons of theories, actually, that have spread about the amount of time that has passed. And honestly, my favorite and probably the most correct is also the most absurd sounding. Hell yeah. And it's well over 6.9 million years. Oh, shit. You know, we don't like to go deep into like theories and shit on the show. Yeah, we like to deal in the hard facts. Yeah, but this one, I think, is most likely true. A more valid theory. Because as you explore, you see that the clocks all have 16 hours on them. Oh. And that indicates that the day no longer has 24 hours, but rather has 32 hours. Huh. So right now in our real world, the Earth is constantly slowing down just a little bit. Okay. Something like one millionth of a second per year. Now, that's not enough any of us are ever going to notice that in our lifetime. Totally. But... In order for the Earth to slow down to a point that a day is 32 hours long, it would take somewhere around 2.4 billion years. Holy shit. So right now, it takes 24 hours for the Earth to do one full rotation from where it's facing the sun. Correct. Which is how we get the 24-hour cycle because it's based on how long it takes for the sun to reach its apex during the day and shit like that. Right. So it would take... Billions of years to add four hours to that day to make that a full day. And that's the day, quote unquote, that we're going with. So, like, we've gone through some ice ages and shit. Like, we're in global warming right now. Wouldn't the sun just, like, eat the earth up or some shit? That's actually a very good question. Hell yeah, I know science. And the answer is no. Oh. Scientists have said that the sun has about five billion years until it eats the earth. Five billion years until the sun eats the earth. Yeah, so 2.4 billion years absolutely possible we should still like recycle though right (laughs) wait i'm getting mixed messages you know um we're gonna find out why there's a city underground as well so don't worry do i still need to bring my grocery bags to the store or no you absolutely should son of a bitch all right sometimes i forget them but i try to put stuff in my bag and we all know cats are gonna survive that long i mean they've been around since dinosaur times so cats in the roombas yep well finally we find zabaltazar's apartment and we find his notebook in it He describes figuring out a way to establish communication back to Momo, but Momo just has to fix some things to make it work. Oh, good. So B12 suggests taking the instructions back to Momo so he can contact his friends and they can tell you how to make it to them. Yay! With the newly found instructions, Momo is able to repair a transceiver that was broken and preventing him from contacting his friends. The problem being, the place it needs to be installed is high up and in Zerk territory. And Momo needs someone small, fast, and agile that can make their way up that high. Hmm. Someone like a cat. Someone like a cat. You know, the animal that loves taking direction. And as you were saying, Zerk territory is fucking gross. It's disgusting. Yeah, it looks like that fungus that's growing in the Mario Brothers movie from 1993. Uh, It looks like when the cordyceps have taken over a whole fucking hallway. It looks like the fucking uh, Rat King bloater in The Last of Us 2. That entire sequence, but as an entire part of the city, and I fucking hated it. I don't like bumpy things. I think it's a texture thing. I don't (laughs) care for it. It just, I don't know how I finished this fucking game it's so gross yeah it's just more pink and alive looking if anything it looks like boils i don't like it 
But with some puzzle solving and platforming, you manage to make your way up the transceiver that needs to be installed. This was a fun section, though, because there's a lot of herding of the Zerks. Yeah. Uh, that I found really fascinating because, you know, you've encountered a couple. There is a horde. Let's call it a mm-hmm. horde that you encounter earlier as you're making it into the slum city. But here you really do encounter a couple different kinds of hordes. And you learn these tricks of if I make noises this way, they'll come running this way. But it takes time for them to pivot so I can wrangle them. There's a couple puzzles where you have to get them behind a fence so you can make it through. And I really enjoyed that section. It was like, oh, OK, this isn't just platforming. It's clever puzzle solving platforming. Yeah. And the Zerks are a great fucking enemy, too, because like they'll mindlessly just throw themselves at you like a bunch of little fucking lemmings and they're willing to sacrifice themselves in an attempt to kill you. Yeah, that's true. They're stupid as shit. Yeah, they're stupid as shit and they are just like relentless. Like they're fucking like flying at you. Yeah. They have one eye but they can't focus it clearly. (laughs) Uh, But it is a There's no depth perception there. Yeah, but like a cat it's a forward facing eye which implies that they are predators. They are very much predators, yeah. I don't like them. Well, you eventually get the transceiver up and running, and as you stand on top of the high tower, you look up and you see a dark sky with twinkling lights. Ugh. But B-12 explains that they're not stars, and that's not the sky. It's a giant dome ceiling, and it's kind of closing off the outside world. Ugh. Dome, sweet dome. And the lights there are there to mimic the night sky so people don't feel like they're stuck underground. Like when you go to a casino and you can't see the outside, (laughs) so you spend more time in there. Exactly. It's so dark in so many more ways than one. But B12 tells you they now remember why the city was built in the first place. And B12 says that the humans built this as a sanctuary city to protect them from the outside world. They just never made a plan on when to leave. Oh. Yeah, we're really short-sighted as a species, to be fair. Yeah, they made the outside world unlivable at that point. Arguably now as well. Go on. Uh, That's why they went underground. Uh, But if the cat came from the outside world, then maybe it's okay to come out now. And honestly, like this whole part kind of reminded me of Mm Wally, where they found the one leaf and they're like, oh, is Earth cool now? Are we good? Yeah, and so B12 is seeing the cat coming from outside. He's like, so is it safe to go out now? All right. The cat's like, that's all I've ever known. So probably, I'm four years old, man. Like, (laughs) who gives a shit? Well, B12 says that they've realized their mission isn't just to get outside. Their mission is to reopen the city. We must liberate the robots. Yeah, their job is to open the dome back up. Hell yeah. They can't understand, like, why that's their mission. They just know it is. They're just like, this is the right thing to do. Yeah, these memories are coming back very slowly, just not very completely. Yeah, (laughs) because robot amnesia. The memory is corrupted. Yeah. Now, you take another little bucket ride back to Momo. I love a good bucket ride. And you let him know that the transceiver is up and running, but you get back and Momo's not there. Momo, where you go, go? He's left a note saying he went to the bar. This is why you always leave a note. Yes, that's true. But yeah, Momo went to the fucking bar. (laughs) He's out here to celebrate. He's like, hell yeah. I trained a cat to do something. That's worth celebrating. And this part's just funny. I could have completely skipped over this, but he's locked the house up and he's left you the code. And it's 75 random ass characters long. And at the end, he goes, careful, it's case sensitive. (laughs) What an asshole. Because he's a robot. This is how he thinks. Exactly. And fortunately, B12 is a robot, too. And he gets it right after a couple tries. (laughs) 
I do like that. There's robot humor. It's fucking great. <laughs> it's a perfect game. Yeah, there's a lot of really good robot humor in this and just general humor and overall. It's very lighthearted. It's a great game. Yeah. You meet up with Momo in the bar and he has a massive computer set up at a table and it looks like the old TV that I actually had when we first met in my bedroom. Oh God. That's, if you remember that, that thing. That dates us and, by a long. That was an old TV when I met you in all fairness. Oh, it was. It had a backside and everything. Real rabbit ears fucking. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. And Momo powers it up and manages to get through to Zabaltazar. Yay! And Zabaltazar tells you that he and the others are safe. Oh. However, you have to go through the sewers to get to them, which are filled with Zerks, and it's extremely dangerous, and the only way to get through it is to... And the signal goes out. Oh... <laughs> because <laughs> you live in a sitcom now <laughs> oh. yeah so now you're kind of like all right well let's figure out the next step so remember i said the companions in this world are like very interesting they yeah. keep up with kind of human activities even if they can't actually do the things that humans did yeah like there's like we talked about the monks that the guardian hangs out with and there's a gardener and stuff yeah or for example right now they're at a bar there's a bartender there's cups and glasses. They're robots. But they're not drinking anything. They're just kind of like going through the motions like they are. <laughs> it's just the societal thing. Like you don't drink. It's like when you go to a bar and you're like, I guess I'll have a root beer. <laughs> yeah. And they're not even doing that. They're yeah. pretending to drink. <laughs> and one such companion overhears your conversation and tells you that you'll never make it to the sewers alive because nobody does. And he storms out. Oh, he's seen some things. Yeah. The bartender explains that his name is Seamus. And that his dad, Doc, was a great scientist who believed he could kill the Zerks. Doc, our friend! Yeah, that's the one that like wrote about the UV light. Well, Doc went out one day to prove that he could kill the Zerks, and he hasn't been seen since. Oh no, poor Seamus, he lost his dad to the Zerks. Yeah, so B12 and Momo remember that Doc mentioned the UV light being an effective weapon against the Zerks, and that there might be an extra one or like a prototype or something in his lab. So you go to Doc's lab, and it also happens to be Seamus's house, and he wants nothing to do with your mission. Oh, because he's like, fuck you, I, have, I lost my dad to this, like, don't add to the count. Yeah, he won't even open the fucking door to let you talk to him. So Momo immediately gives up and tells you to sneak in and show him Doc's notebook to convince him to help you. He goes back to the bar in the meantime. Because, <laughs> you know, that's just what you do. That's what Momo does. And you break into Seamus's place and he's depressed and he's sitting on the couch. But when you show him Doc's notebook, it springs him to life. Oh, he probably hasn't even seen that thing in a long time. Well, the notebook mentions a secret room in their apartment that Seamus didn't know about. Oh, my God. And you both set about to find it and discover a code panel behind a picture. And then you enter a code that you find somewhere and a door panel slides open. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, and inside is a lab and it's full of information all about the Zerks. And it talks about how they evolved from an old bacteria dating back to like human times. They eat almost anything, can see in the dark, but they react to intense light. Hmm. The fact that Zerks can eat metal appears to be a relatively recent adaptation as well, as there's a newspaper article detailing that Zerks can now eat metal. Ah. But companions can be around millions of years, so who knows how long ago that article was written. Yeah. You find blueprints for a weapon that is designed to kill at least 20 Zerks per second that uses high-frequency UV light. Problem being, Doc took the weapon with him. Yeah, of course. Yeah, he went out to try it. Yeah, you do manage to find a tracking device Doc used to use to keep a track of Seamus, his son. <laughs> 
And Seamus suggests kind of reversing the polarity on it so that way they can track Doc instead. Great parenting, Doc. <laughs> right. Put an air tag on his kid. Yeah, in order to reverse the polarity, though, you have to go to a guy in the slums who specializes in fixing electronics, and his name is Elliot. Hi, Elliot. And Elliot manages to fix it right up for you, and just as you turn it on, you start tracking Doc. And this is, like, the best day ever for Seamus. Because <laughs> he's like, wait, we can maybe actually find my dad? Yeah, he long ago gave up on any idea that his dad was even still alive. Oh, but poor now honey. this thing is going off, and he's like, holy shit, my dad might still be alive. That's incredible. Do you believe in ghosts? <laughs> well, you follow the tracker to a door that leads to a sealed off section of the city as Zerks have overtaken it some time back. Right, because that's where you'd want to test it is where the Zerks are. Yeah, Seamus opens the door, sees all the Zerk eggs around and tells you that's it. He can't go any further. Those Zerks are going to kill him because mm. he's just not as fast as you are. So he gives you a little medallion with his family crest on it. And he says, show this to Doc. And once you see him, he'll know that you're like proof that you're a friend. Yeah, because again, they're not even familiar with the cat species. So they're like, you have to go a little out of your way to show that you're not like a super zerk. Yeah. <laughs> or anything. Yeah, you remember the reaction from the very first robots that saw you. Danger. Well, he bids you good luck and sends you on your way to go find Doc. Mm hmm. Now, while in this area, B-12 tells you about how there was a huge divide in the class system within the city, and that the citizens of the area known as Midtown walled off the slums so they wouldn't have to deal with the people from there. Oh, we love the slums, though. Yeah, and they would then, like, dump all the trash onto the slum side and, like, some Eagletonian bullshit from Parks and Rec. <laughs> Just fuck you. Yeah, but... While you're inside, you quickly alert the local Zerks of your presence, and you have to run for your fucking life. And it reminds me of one of those sequences in The Last of Us 2 where you have no option but to run from the hundreds of zombies chasing you. Where there's just the hordes. Yeah, and it feels like there's no fucking end in sight. Ugh. And hundreds and hundreds of these fucking things fly at you. And there's very little room for error during this chase scene. Because honestly, they haven't seen anything organic in a millennia. And totally. you are just a quick little treat coming through their territory. Literally a treat running by. Yeah. And at one point during your run, you land on a cart. And that starts tearing ass through a tunnel. And you start running over Zerks as you hang on for dear life. <laughs> like a minecart tunnel? Yeah. It's or very... excuse me, like a minecart in yeah, the tunnel? Yeah, yeah. Very minecart. And on the minecart, you eventually outrun the Zerks. And you do manage to find Doc's hideout. Hell yeah. Team cats. Inside his hideout. You meet Doc himself, and he is, honest to God, just a robot version of Doc Brown from Back to the Future. Could have been worse. Could have been Doc McStuffins. I mean, he's got gray wires sticking out of his head. He has oh, a white overcoat. It's fucking perfect. It's so good. And when he sees his family crest, he welcomes you, explaining he was testing his weapon, but it broke on him, and it left him stranded here in this lab and made it unable for him to go home. Yeah, because otherwise he's going defenseless against the Zerk. So he's just been stuck in this room. Yeah, Ugh. he's been stuck there this entire time. But hey, Poor honey. he's not dead. That's true. He is alive. There's still hope. Well, his weapon, the defluxer, Stop. requires 1.21 gigawatts of power to operate. <laughs> Back to the future fans, you can just let that whole sentence kind of sit there. Just in case you didn't catch it the first. If you haven't seen Back to the Future, stop listening to our podcast right now and watch the entire fucking trilogy. You can thank me later. But also subscribe and listen to our episodes. That too. Now, there's a generator nearby that 
can create that much power, but Doc can't get to it with enough time to get like fixed and running before the Zerks come and kill him. And honestly, as I was saying before, we need something kind of like a bio shot for the number of times we run into a fucking generator that needs to be turned on. <laughs> I've never seen anyone have a generator in real fucking life. Ever, especially a personal one. Like I've seen them at like the fair where they go, here's how we turn on the fucking circus lights in this abandoned field. Yeah, that's contextual. That makes sense. But for it to be in an apartment complex just in some dude's house, like, are you fucking kidding me? I know. And if anybody out there can come up with something that we can say to the fact that every time that we run into another goddamn generator that needs to be turned on, let us know, you know, comment us, shoot us an email, something. Generator chug. No, I'm going to hurt my liver. Exactly. This I, show's going to put me into a deep, dark hole. But, you know, we got to learn how to turn on a fucking generator. <laughs> it, it, by my recollection, you press triangle in most <laughs> games. I think it's a triangle feature. I'm fully thinking of Naughty Dog games. Yeah, it's triangle. Yeah, and, I mean, you know, cats are notoriously easy to train. Yeah, and they're obviously the best companions when you need them to do something. Especially when you need them to turn on a fucking generator. <laughs> so you manage to turn on the generator. Yeah, as a cat. <laughs> In a dystopian society. And the sound of it causes a fuck ton of zerks to come after you. Ugh, so scary. But now, Doc has his 1.21 gigawatts of power. <laughs> And he shines his light down onto you from like above and you watch the Zerks just kind of like explode into goo as the light hits them. It's gross, but satisfying. Yeah, they pop like little zits. See, I'm not a pimple popper person. Like, I don't understand the, I just, I think it's so gross. That was great alliteration though. <laughs> yeah, but it's a terrible thing. Uh. Well, you get back to Doc and he tells you that he can install the light into B12's flashlight port turning B-12 into a Zerk-killing machine. Hell yeah, he's a gun now. Can we talk about one of the coolest things in Doc's apartment? Please. There's like a dog kennel, those like wire cages that people have for their dogs in the apartment. And yeah. He's got like two Zerks in it that he's been studying. Yeah, he's using them as like, his little study buddies. And you can totally mess with them. You can like stand on top of the crate and meow to like drive them crazy and shit. And they're in a cage. They can't get to you, but... You can kind of mess with them for a little bit, which I really appreciated. And once B12 has the UV light, you can just kill him. Yeah, <laughs> which is the best part. Problem is B12 is very small and so doesn't have a lot of power to give. Mm. So it doesn't like it's going to need some recharging every few seconds. Yeah. It's a little bit like the flashlight conservation in Five Nights at Freddy's or like an overheat function some games have when they like introduce a really OP weapon. Yeah. In Tattletale, there's the same flashlight function. And, you know, it's just a resource management part, which is interesting because we haven't really hit that here yet. Um, because to your point, they keep taking different things and adding elements, but not overusing them to where you get bored or annoyed with it. Right. Exactly. You get back to town with Doc and he gets to see his son. Oh, I love this part. Fucking Seamus is waiting by the door and you can tell he's doing that nervous thing where he's like, is he going to come? Is it okay? Maybe it's not okay. Maybe he's kind of, I feel like he mentally was talking himself up and down of like, don't get your hopes up, but this could be the best day of your life. And then yeah. you come through the door and Doc and Seamus see each other and this father and son are reunited mm. and they're so excited to see each other. And sh you notice here that Seamus is dressed like Marty McFly from Back <laughs> to the Future, which is just like, we get it, okay? <laughs> He's well, got like the vest and the hat. In Back to the Future 3, 
that's his uh, ancestor's name is Seamus. That's right. That's yeah. uh, <laughs> Seamus McFly. They drink the brown water. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's right. In the cowboy one. Yeah. But it's this really beautiful moment. And then Doc is talking to a couple other robots that just hang out by the door. And they're like, this is my son, Seamus. Like, he's so proud. And they're so happy. And this family is reunited because of this cat. This cat, you know, brings people together. It's beautiful. I love this moment. I think it's so wonderful. Well, after that reunion, Momo is waiting in a little raft and he's ready to take you into the sewers. Oh, he's excited. He's going to get his own reunion. Yeah, he wants to go find his friends Zabaltazar and Clementine. Totally. So you go through the sewers and since you have your new weapon, the Zerks don't even fucking bother you. Totally. And Momo steers the boat through the sewers until you encounter like a giant circular door sealing off the tunnel up ahead. Mm. And Momo tries getting it to open using like a computer terminal, but it's so old it no longer works and the door is to be opened manually. So Momo pulls on a chain and it lifts the door upwards, but it's insanely heavy and he tells you he can't go any further and then it's up to you to go on. Ugh. He wants you to tell Zavaltazar and Clementine that in the end, he was brave. <laughs> because you're taking that weapon with you, leaving Momo defenseless in the sewers, and he's unlikely going to make it all the way back to the slums. Oh. And you make it to the other side of the door, and it just slams shut behind you. Mm. And this tunnel is just fucking beyond disgusting. Yeah. It's no longer waterlogged and requiring a raft, but it's covered in that fucking fungus from before, and it's just surrounding you. I think this is the grossest shit. Like, I don't like it at all. It's icky. And <laughs> I know I sound like I'm four years old, but it's so gross. Yeah, and this tunnel goes on seemingly forever. Ugh. And it comes to an opening, and you're presented with, honestly, the most terrifying and bizarre thing to occur in this entire fucking game. Easily, yes. You're in a huge room, and that fungus is fucking everywhere mm -hmm. but the big difference in this room is the fungus has fucking eyeballs growing out of it nope 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 room full of nightmares and they're human eyes nope 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 and they're blinking and they're staring at you and they're fucking everywhere the walls are sentient i do not like this section the walls literally have eyeballs mm -mm. and b12 goes around looking at all these eyes and even this little like emotionless robot friend of yours is fucking scared yeah. And B12 becomes so distracted by the eyeballs, they don't notice the Zerks surrounding the cat, and they eventually overtake the cat and start eating it. <laughs> B12 finally notices after the cat yells out, and he turns his light on fucking full blast, and it just kills all the Zerks. But that surge is too much, and it causes B12 to short out, and he falls to the ground. Oh. So the cat grabs B12 and hauls ass out of there down another tunnel of fungus with thousands of Zerks chasing you this time. Go, Henry, go! And, like, this facility you're in is still, like, super industrial, but it's, like, a different from the other industrial where it was all concrete before. Now it's all metal and scaffolding, and it's a lot less overgrown. You see this, like, metal door slowly closing shut, and you manage to get under it just as it closes down, and it, like, squishes a few Zerks as it does. Very Indiana Jones. Yeah, super Indiana Jones. On the other side, you paw B12 back awake, and B12 says that it felt like before, before when they didn't wake up. They were just nothingness, and they thank you for waking them back up. Oh my god, that's so dark. Yeah, right? So the two of you continue on, and eventually you run into another companion, and they're standing at the mouth of a door. He sees you and asks if you're the ones who contacted them from the slums. <gasps> Friends! And he goes on to say that Zabaltazar is waiting for you at the top of the village. 
And you look beyond, and you see a long rope bridge leading to a tall structure, and the robots have constructed a village into this structure that kind of looks like the Ewok village in Star Wars. I love this section. I think it's so beautifully designed. Yeah, it's kind of like a giant tree house, except that it's not a tree, obviously. It's like a giant concrete silo going up the center. Yeah, it's almost like a giant pillar situation. Yeah, and they've got like stairs and scaffolding all at the side, and they've like got plants, so that gives it really that color of green to make it look like a tree, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they've built their homes and businesses into the side of it as well. Like, there's a whole fucking functioning society on this thing. It's so fucking cool. When you approach the structure, you find some discarded trash, and one of the items you see is like this pod-looking vessel. And it really reminded me of the pods from Idiocracy that froze them in time that took them to the future, you know? Mm -hmm. Like this cryo chamber looking thing. Yeah, definitely. And very much like an Idiocracy, it was just kind of like thrown out on the side with some trash. And B12 mentions the scientist that they worked with was making one of these for himself. And that he didn't involve B12 in the making of it. Hmm. And B12 just couldn't figure out why. But then the scientist went into it one day. And it uploaded his brain into the computer system. But something went wrong. And it didn't upload him correctly. And he sat there. Silent and unworking. Until one day. A little cat showed up and turned him on. <coughs> and B12 just kind of floats there silently. As what he just said kind of processes in his head. Oh my god. And he has a little existential crisis. This is GLaDOS. Yeah. <laughs> This is GLaDOS realizing she was Caroline. Yeah. Spoilers. B12 realizes he was the scientist all along and that he was at one point a living human. Oh. Is this the world where Cave Johnson was successful? The first time? <laughs> oh. Yeah, this really could just be an extension of like the Aperture Science world. <laughs> Can you imagine though if this was cave instead of this kind scientist who's like you goddamn robots i'm gonna get my scientists to throw lemons at your house that combust and burn your house down so doc installs a portal gun into b12 and now the cat and b12 are running around no i'm just kidding yeah <laughs> fully invested instead of companions they're just companion cubes it's fine i this love how you went silent like you were ready for this story to continue yeah i wanted it to i love the portal world <laughs> the cat's name is shell now go on so b12 tells the cat that uh he's gonna need a minute as he processes all this <laughs> The same way that GLaDOS did when she found out she was Caroline. Yeah, exactly. When she repeated the words Caroline said. Do we need like a portal pop when we just like chug a soda or something? Because <laughs> goddamn. Okay. I see you. You need a portal potato. Portal. We just eat a raw potato. <laughs> Fries are acceptable. Okay. Anyway, you continue on your way to see Zabaltazar, and there's like a ton of companions on your way, but B12 will not translate right now because... He's just so fucked up from his discovery. He's having an existential crisis. Yeah. And when you finally get to Zabaltazar, the scene is so fucking strange that it snaps B12 out of his funk. <laughs> it's so weird that he's like, hold up, what's going on? So Zabaltazar is meditating in some kind of like shrine. And he's surrounded by computer monitors that all show a sleeping face on it. So like, instead of having bodies, they're all just these, it basically be like a whole bunch of heads surrounding him. Ugh. If you think of it that way. 
You can if you want to. And like the face reminds me of that old Nick Jr. character face that was just like a big smiley face that takes oh. up the entire screen. If you remember that. Facey McFace or something. Yeah, it was just face. Shit. Hi there, face, face here. Okay. Yeah. Well, Zabaltazar wakes up from his meditation and he goes on to explain that he had made it this far on his path to the outside, but he liked this community so much he decided to stay. <laughs> When you're camping, you're like, what if I just live here? Yeah, <laughs> kind of thing. Fuck it. You go on vacation and you never leave. Yeah. Clementine did, however, continue onward. And as far as he knows, made it as far as Midtown. That's the bougie part of the city, you know? Ooh, la la. And that if you guys have any hope of reaching the outside, Clementine's your best bet. Totally. So Zavaltazar just kind of wishes you luck on your journey and you depart. Before we depart, I would like to talk about one of my favorite sequences here. Yeah, absolutely. There are two robots playing chess, mm -hmm. and you can jump on the board and ruin their game, <laughs> and they both get so upset. I would be. <laughs> Hell yeah. Don't fuck with my game, cat. Yeah. <laughs> I get mad when Mabel fucks with my game, so you, I get it. Yeah, no, I get it, but it's to the point you do do cat-like things. You can kind of just jump on this ledge. And they're very intently looking at the board and you just jump on and then the pieces go flying and they both are like, what the hell? <laughs> it's very cute. It is very cute. Well, as you leave, B12 apologizes to you for his little freak out earlier. Hey, sorry I found out that I'm human. My B. Not just human, but the last human. And honestly, he's not even alive anymore, is he? No, he's dead, kind of. Is, is consciousness your life? Is... Is it soul if you're not in a human body anymore? There's a lot of questions going on philosophically. And B12 is going through all of those. And B12's a computer now, so those thoughts are going really fucking fast. Yeah, it's not a good place for him. He's also remembering so much right now, he's starting to wonder, well, what the fuck else have I forgotten at this point? Yeah. And he really hopes that Clementine's going to be able to like restore the rest of his memories as well. Totally. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm going to invest my future in a stranger. Well, you're finally able to talk to the denizens of the tree village if you want, but they really just kind of fill in a lot of the backstory, or you can knock over some chess pieces, as you said. There's also a bar here, too, so there's yeah, more of that. Uh, there are robots that paint. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the robots do like painting. That seems to be a, a thread throughout a lot of these villages, too, is there's a lot of leftover paint. Well, there's that, and there's just the fact that, that you know... The fact that they're being artistic is so interesting. They're not supposed to be. That's true. That creative expression is very unique. Yeah. AI should not be creating like that. No, we can't trust that. Well, eventually the two of you make it beyond the village and into a subway station. Very upscale. A it, real bustling business town, if you know what I mean. Well, B12 looks around and says, oh, I took this subway every day into work. Oh. And he remembers telling his wife and kids goodbye every morning and that like everything he was working towards was for them. Oh, and they're definitely dead. And he's starting to realize that like the mission that he felt before, the one to open up the city, it was so his children could see the outside because they never had before. Oh my God. And he thought that uploading his brain into the B-12 robot would get him access to the areas that he needed to get to in order to open up the city. That's why B12's so small and, like, agile. Yeah, but like he said, something went really fucking wrong, and he woke up a couple billion years too late. Oh, can you imagine? And clearly the city was never opened. Mm, poor honey. It's so wild that he's having this existential crisis in a subway car. 
But like, haven't we all been there? I've definitely <laughs> had an emotional crisis on a subway car. That's when I decided what college I wanted to go to. Um, <laughs> I mean, a subway car arguably kicked off the events of Half-Life 1. Oh my God. Half-Life 1 does open with my boyfriend, 27-year-old Dr. Dr. Gordon, Gordon Freeman. Freeman. <laughs> late as shit to work hungover as hell <laughs> and they actually pay tribute to that in this scene with a crowbar to my boyfriend with a crowbar yeah they put a crowbar in the subway the most iconic things about half-life that fucking 20 minute <laughs> commute into <laughs> black mesa and him rocking with the crowbar and then there's head crabs oh yeah i mean obviously half-life was a major major inspiration for this game yeah yeah, and B12 is having a GLaDOS Caroline moment. This is a Valve love letter. <laughs> it really is. I didn't even think of it until you like started pointing out all these things. It's great. I'm I'm fully into this. I, I just I just see Valve's thumbprint all over all of this. Yeah, B12's kind of like a tiny little Wheatley. <laughs> but but useful. Yeah, useful. <laughs> but not programmed to be a dumbass. Yeah. Space. I mean, mistakes were definitely made though. Yes. <laughs> well, you make your way into Midtown and it's clearly a very different place than we've become like accustomed to midtown is a hip happening spot not just that though there is a very serious police presence here also a class divide yeah (laughs) so we see a very law and order style presence and there's violent police robots rounding up random citizens and searching and harassing them threatening them with imprisonment and being rebooted Ugh. And being rebooted means, like, a hard factory reset. Yeah. And the cop robots also have their own flying robots, and they're using them as surveillance drones to, like, chase others down, too. Ugh, trash. See, a dog would see this and be like, I'm in. Yeah. A cat sees this and goes, I'm going to topple (laughs) all of this. And if you yourself are being chased by these little drones, like, they can shoot little taser bullets at you, too. They're adding guns now. Oh, yeah. No, you're like the stakes get raised every single level. And I love that about this game. Totally. And like you don't have your gun anymore. That obviously got stripped pretty quickly. There's those mechanics evolving to your point is so satisfying for the gameplay element. Yeah. One of the other things you're also seeing around here are wanted posters and they're everywhere. And they're for Clementine. Oh, there's a girl. <laughs> and they're declaring her an outlaw for trying to open the door to the outside. Oh, she's a bad bitch. Yeah, so she's in hiding, and that's going to be a little hard to find. Yeah, <laughs> everyone's looking for Clementine. But with some hunting and questioning of other companions, you do find Clementine's hideout, and she's excited but apprehensive about Zabaltazar sending you. Uh. If you made it through the sewers, you must be more resourceful than you seem. <laughs> she's like, you're not dead, so that's pretty cool for you. She tells you that the police force and their drones are called Sentinels, and their job is to stop anyone from trying to leave the city. Like an X-Men. Which she's been trying to get to the outside, but can't due to all the Sentinels. Yeah. So she's hoping you can help get past them since you're so small. You're little and weird. You can help me. And her plan is to use that old subway system to escape. Just it's not powering up. Mm. So she tells you about a battery that she needs to power the subway, but it's heavily guarded. If you get it for her, she'll get you to the outside. Oh, your favorite mechanic in video games. A fetch quest. (laughs) There it is. (laughs) How fetching. So she also tells you that literally everyone in town hates the cops. And you can pretty much trust anyone in town to help you except the cops should you need help. (laughs) 
uh, you know, like in life. There's, you know, <laughs> no strong political stance here, everybody. No. Again, this is a French game. And as the cat, you help cause some anarchy. Of course. Like, for example, there's a group of robots that just want to hang out and listen to music and dance, but there's security cameras set up and they send out the cops to stop them every time they try to have some fun. Are these the cops from fucking Footloose? Basically, yeah. Trash. And you help them out and destroy the cameras. Hell yeah. And what I really like about this little group of robots, they're all named after members of the music and art department. I love that. Aww. Like their own little Laszlo's from Rockstar. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> I always appreciate that when creators kind of let people who worked on the game live in the game. It really solidifies that they were a part of this and now they're contextual to the lore. And the fact that the robots that just want to dance and hang out and listen to music are the art department and music department. Beautiful. Love everything about that. And they're cool as fuck. Oh, yeah. No, this little group of robots, they're really cool. Yeah, one of them's got a cool hat. I think it's like a bucket hat, you know. <laughs> they give you a mixtape. Yeah, they do, right. <laughs> I love them. Now, earlier I mentioned how on Goose Game, I'm like, a lot of this stuff's going to sound familiar because this next sequence is identical to a sequence in Untitled Goose Game. Arguably a reference to Goose Game. Arguably, honestly. I mean, it did come out about a year or so afterwards, right? Yeah, and there was some parallels in how these games were received in their trailers. You know, we know that Goose Game really blew up because of that trailer of you're a goose that causes damage emotionally yeah. and physically. And then in this game, it was you're a cat who's just cruising around this dystopian world. While they didn't come out at exactly the same time, you know, Goose Game was a quarantine game. They came out within two years of each other and... They're not sister sequels, but they are cousin sequels, you yeah, know? <laughs> most definitely. Or, you know, it's like we talk about with the collective consciousness. There's just no good idea is going to go unused. Totally. One's a goose, one's a cat. Anyway, I know what you're leading up to, and I'm very excited. And it's not even necessarily say this is a good idea. It's just an idea that got used. So you got to hide inside of a box and get a delivery person to bring you inside of a building. Exactly like in the pub in Goose Game. It is just the exact same mission as in Goose Game. So you break in, you get the battery, and you make your way back to Clementine's place, only to find Clementine gone. Clem? Just like Momo. Ugh, was she at the bar? Well, you find a coded message telling you to dig through Clementine's stuff to find clues to their new location. Mm. And putting the clues together reveals that Clementine is hiding not in a nearby bar, but in a nearby nightclub. Hell yeah, Clementine's cool as shit. Upon getting to the nightclub, you find out that Clementine is in the VIP lounge upstairs with someone named Blazer. <laughs> the dumbest name. Yeah, like one of Globo Gym's members. Yeah, Blade, Razor. Blazer. <laughs> I really liked this set piece. It felt like a spy movie. Yeah, right? Very much so. There's something about being in a nightclub where there's just like flashing lights and kind of go-go dancing aesthetics and like there's it's loud and you're also on a mission and the puzzle in this sequence cool as shit i'm not even quite sure how to describe it or maybe i shouldn't bury the lead on it but i really enjoyed this platforming it was so cool and yeah i felt like fucking spy this was great yeah this part's really fun and you like you look up from down below and you can see blazer and some other robot that's wearing like a top hat having a great fucking time <laughs> But Clementine's nowhere to be seen. There's always a dude in a top hat at a club. I don't know why. Right. And you sneak into the VIP lounge. And if you talk to the top hat guy, he says the most privileged VIP room bullshit thing imaginable. <laughs> and he says, I don't know why people have such a hard time with the Sentinels. They never bother me. Ugh. 
Oh, just the commentary in this game. I don't care about politics. It's so boring. Oh. Yeah, because it doesn't affect you. Yeah, the cops have never bothered the rich robot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I enjoy this game a lot. Well, you explore the VIP lounge and find Clementine tied up to a chair. Oh, no. Blazer closes the door behind you and says he just caught two birds with one stone now. No! And he's got both conspirators in one room. The oh. Sentinels are offering some good money for Clementine's capture. No! And two Sentinel drones fly in, shoot the cat, <gasps> and the screen goes black. Not Henry! Or Shell? I forgot what we were calling the cat. <laughs> now we're on to Shell, that's right. Uh, now we're going to stick with Henry. Okay. The cat wakes up in a small cage over a pit of, like, green glowing water, acid, something nauseous and dangerous looking, you know? Gross. You know, like that opening scene in Thor Ragnarok. Ugh. And the backpack that contains B12 is gone. And you're all alone. Oh. And you swing your cage back and forth until it bashes against the wall and breaks open. And you work your way through this old ass prison until you find Clementine in a cell of their own. And you try talking to them, but without B12, you can't understand each other at all. And Clementine just kind of has to resort to pointing to you to get you to understand what they want. <laughs> because Clem doesn't speak cat and you're a cat. Exactly. And so she points to some keys on a hook and you get the message. Like in uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean where they're trying to get the dog to grab the keys. I was thinking more in the mask when he's trying to get Milo to get the keys. But keys, yeah. keys. <laughs> so you grab the keys, Clementine gets out, and the two of you work your way through the jail, avoiding the drones where you can, and eventually find where they're keeping B-12. Now, B-12 being an advanced robot, unlike anything the others have seen before, they're keeping him in a very high-tech containment unit, like using lasers and shit, unlike the others, which are all being held in normal, like, prison cells with bars and shit. Yeah. You shut off the power to the unit, but B-12 is clearly shut down, and you have to go physically rescue him. Like, you're avoiding the drones and the guns and all that kind of stuff. And this one had some sections where there's some light sensitivity. Mm -hmm. Which was really fun with the drones, because unlike any other parts of the game, like you said, it does evolve and the gameplay changes and we're not just chasing Zerks anymore. We've introduced a new thing to avoid and yeah. they have a range of vision that you need to stay away from, which yeah. is different from the Zerks because Zerks were very motion and sound reliant. This is purely motion reliant, but it's very sensitive. Mm -hmm. No, great call out. Like you said, it's just everything keeps changing and it's really fresh. It's about robots. It's evolution, baby. As you continue through the prison, you encounter the bodies of some companions. And when B-12 scans them, he says that the Sentinels have completely wiped their memories and the robot's souls go with it. So it really just leaves these empty shells. Oh, so sad. And B-12 and Clementine both want to avoid this fate. Yeah, entirely. Clementine steals a little three-wheeler transport truck and goes crashing through doors and out into midtown and down streets and alleys and eventually loses the Sentinels. This is very fun. Oh, yeah. It's really cool. And, like, honestly, Clementine's just taking off and the cat has to kind of chase after and catch up and, like, jump back <laughs> onto the truck at one point, you know? Very fun. So Clementine tells you that she's going to lead the Sentinels on a chase and that it's time to separate and for you to go on ahead. Because the goal is just to get outside and whatever the cost is and that she's going to do everything she can to help you escape. She gives you a key, tells you that you'll always be in their RAM and you and B12 are back on your own. You'll always be in my RAM? I love that so much. <laughs> <laughs> 
Just like, it's the only time they ever say memory as Ram, but it's fucking great. That's beautiful. You go back to the subway station, you power it up, and start the next big leg of your journey. You ride the subway car to its next stop. Black Mesa. <laughs> no? Okay. No, it's not. Oh. It actually looks a little bit more like aperture science than anything. Oh. You come out to a pristine, clean, and operational subway station. Oh. And there's a companion sweeping in the station, and when you approach it, it just very mechanically says, Hello, how may I help you? And there's posters and signs everywhere saying, enjoy the world's safest city, Walled City 99. Oh, God. Again, it feels very like Wally welcoming them to the Axiom. Hmm. As you go through the station, there's more companions, but they're not like the ones before. There's absolutely nothing human about them. They're very on rails. They seem to just have one function and be sticking to it. Yeah, whatever like soul these other robots had, these ones do not have it. And they're more what B12 described from before they evolved. They're just companions. They do menial tasks, so humans don't have to do them. They're repainting the subway station. They're cleaning it. They're maintaining it. That's why everything looks perfect. It's pristine. Yeah, they're, they're like the very last Wally, you know? <laughs> like I yeah. keep going back to Wally, but it very much feels the same way. And it lines like, up. Yeah, it's just they don't have that spark that gives them the sense of being alive. And you find a window, and you see that you are nearly at the top of the dome over the city. Ugh. And the room you're in is actually one of those little lights that looks like stars from down below in the city. Oh, the journey. One of the maintenance robots informs you that the door to the outside is currently closed for safety reasons, and that you'll need to speak with one of the humans in the maintenance room to have it opened. One of the Oh my god, and it's been billions of years, honey. There's no humans there. He's just so on rails, he doesn't realize it. The door to the maintenance room can only be opened by a human. Mm. And the system does not consider B12 human enough, so it won't let them through. I have a soul. Yeah, but you don't have thumbs. So there's the problem. But they do have cat claws, and so they destroy the wires, and they manage to get through the door. Oh, and it's not like you do some button mashing. No. You take the panel off and just start ripping through <laughs> like a yeah. cat would, and it's very satisfying. And after the doors open, the room beyond is completely empty of any being, robot, or human. Oh. B12 goes on to explain that the rich and powerful controlled everything from these rooms, and they never wanted for anything. They oh. never wanted electricity, food, water, space. They had fucking everything, and B-12 hated them for it. Hell yeah. Class war, B-12. And that's when B-12 remembers everything. Like to eat the rich. There was a plague, and it swept its way through the slums. B-12 watched as his entire family died from this plague. Oh, God. And the people at the top did fucking nothing. Oh, and this was a COVID game. And then Midtown tried to stop it from spreading by sealing themselves off. And it didn't work for them, and it eventually spread beyond them and even made it all the way up to the higher levels. And that's why B12 wanted to open the city back up. He wanted to help everyone escape the plague that was wiping out everyone inside. Mm -hmm. He just wanted to give them a chance to survive, and uploading himself into B12 was the only way he could keep himself alive in order to get it done. Oh. Honey. And honestly, I felt the game was setting up the Zerks as being the downfall of man. Totally, totally. Because you're like, yeah, they eat literally everything, including live matter and metal. Yeah, we actually find out through some scientific journals and shit 
that the Zerks are relatively new in the grand scheme of time. Yeah. Uh, they developed from a fungus that grew out of the human remains like of their dead. Oh. And they came long after the humans were already gone. Ugh. And they're literally just an evolutionary fuck you to the companions. <laughs> because life uh, finds a way. Yeah, it was like one last thing the humans left behind to make their lives more difficult. Ugh, fucking humans. So... I should still bring my bags to the grocery store. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Hmm. Yeah, the humans never even had to deal with the Zerks. It was <sighs> a fucking plague. Crazy. B12 goes into the computer system and tells you to run across some keyboards like a good cat does to help <laughs> boot it up. <laughs> Button mash. Because, yeah, this shit hasn't been touched in ages. Yeah. There's three locks in the system, and you need to help get them unlocked while B12 hacks the computer. And after each hack, B12 gets a little shock that he says is nothing to worry about. Hmm. He says once you're outside, he can recharge and he'll be fine. But after the third shock, he relents and says that the last shock disabled his body and he's <gasps> basically paralyzed and can't fly around anymore. Oh. So the cat carries him over to a workstation where he says he needs to finalize the hack to open the doors finally. Once you bring B12 to the computer, he confesses that he knew after the first shock this little drone body was not going to be able to handle what was about to come. And then he apologizes because it looks like the two of you will not be seeing the outside together after all. B12 thought it was his mission to carry on the last memories of humanity, but he realizes now that there's still a ton of humanity in these companions. (laughs) He's also seen a ton of humanity in you, little cat. He no longer feels the need to preserve humanity because it already has been. Holy shit. There's a lot of tears we're spilling this season. <laughs> right. Between the Red Dead shit and this. Like, this game really moved me. I have friends that cried, truly. I didn't cry during it, but I I just, I just felt a lot and I may have yelled a lot. But damn, this little weird game about a cat, really, uh, it's art, you know? Yeah. It's, it's effective media if it elicits a response. It, like, in Red Dead, if you hate Micah, that means... Peter Bloomquist did an excellent performance and yeah. he absolutely fucking did. If you hate GLaDOS, it's because that performer did such a brilliant job of it. If you fucking love Dr. Gordon Freeman, it's because you're a normal person and he is a fucking snack. There is no performer behind Dr. Gordon Freeman. <laughs> he is a silent protagonist. And he killed it. <laughs> <laughs> But with this game, it's this little drony robot and you're a cat who just meows and this partnership has taken you through so much and it's so beautiful. The sacrifice and the knowledge of how cultures persevere, it's incredible. Yeah, well, B12 thanks you for being his best friend (laughs) and removes his backpack from you and begins the final hack. Ugh. B-12 lifts up into the air, makes some mechanical bleeps and bloops, and then falls lifeless to the floor like a little plastic toy. Mm. And the cat goes over and nuzzles B-12 and curls up next to it for a nap as B-12's final act comes to fruition. You just lay with him as he goes away. Screens light up with the announcement that the door is opening, along with a percentage showing how much the door is opened. And we look out over the city, and we see the dome opening up letting in dust, dirt, and for the first time in over two billion years, sunlight. Oh, it's beautiful. 
and the sun is bright and strong enough that the Zerks explode on impact with the <laughs> light that is rapidly spreading across the city. Yeah, fuck you, Zerks. And we watch as the different companions we've met along the way look up and see the sky for the first time ever. And they know that their friend made it. Momo is alive. Mm, and he's Momo made safe it. safe back at his home in the slums. Doc is with his son, Seamus. The three dancing robots are celebrating the sunlight. <laughs> the guardian's there with the monks, and they're all just like looking up. And then Clementine is shown being surrounded and like about to be shot down by a bunch of sentinel drones. But the drones, no longer having a mission to stop the doors from opening, fall down dead at her feet. Hell yeah, fuck you drones. And she looks up relieved. <sighs> and finally, the doors are fully open, and we are back with the cat, who's still cuddled up with B12. <laughs> the two friends that made it. And the cat gets up and looks out at the city that he's just saved, and goes back to the door that leads to the outside. And it opens up for the cat, and on the other side, it's no longer a clean and pristine subway station, but a green and less clean stairway, overgrown and decrepit from billions of years of neglect. You get outside, and you can see and hear birds and bugs and sunlight, and the cat stops and just takes in the fresh air with full, deep breaths. <laughs> then the cat turns and looks back at the tunnel, then looks out at the outside and heads off into the wilderness. And just as the cat leaves the frame, a computer monitor in the tunnel turns on, and the screen cuts to black. The end. Oh, it is such a wholly satisfying game. It really, truly was. Like, you know, people at amazing con would look at untitled goose games picture and be like does that game have like a story to go with it blah 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 blah, blah. <laughs> and honestly it's kind of similar reactions about stray as well where it's like it's just a fucking game about a cat right and you go it's so much more than that fully sobbing i mean it is a story about humanity mm -hmm. and fucking souls and what does it mean to be alive and just it takes you to some existential places that a lot of games are too scared to take you yeah there's a lot of class politics there's uh what is tradition versus honor and <laughs> oh my gosh and then it references so many wonderful pop culture things it is just it has as much reverence for the world that it comes from as the robots have for the humans that came before them. Oh, entirely. It's a love letter to Valve. It's a love letter to the Back to the Future. It's a love <laughs> letter to cats. It's everything. It's everything I love. It's a love letter in general, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, it's about love. From just these two former people from Ubisoft just being like, let's start a studio. Hell yeah, cool and Viv. Nailed it. Yeah. Fucking killed it. And, you know... This game came out, everyone was playing it. We got some incredible mods where you could be Garfield. Yeah. You could be um, the guy from Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> yeah, he's all like bent over and all <laughs> awkward and shit running around. It's oh, fucking shit. great. Here we go again. Yeah. That guy, you know. <laughs> there were obviously mods to be your own kind of cat. Like you could have been a calico, but yeah, there's. The mods themselves became a meme. The cats reacting to watching Stray became a meme. It was mm -hmm. such an incredible viral moment, but 
out of substance. It's usually like NyQuil chicken. Like, <laughs> go fuck yourself. But this was a really substantial thing, and it was good that it went viral so more people had eyes on it. And now Entirely. you can buy the B12 backpack <laughs> and cosplay your cat. I am very excited to see cats being brought to cons as stray. As stray cat. As stray cat. It's stray Henry. <laughs> Straight Henry. It's Henry now, damn it. <laughs> oh, it's such a good game. It's so satisfying. I love seeing the arc of the robots all overcoming things like Momo found his strength and right? you know Clementine being the fucking balls to the wall rebel nonstop found peace and was able to be like, haha, fuck you, I win. You know, right. Doc was reunited with his son. <laughs> Seamus, who had given up on life, is reunited with his father. Yeah, Seamus was depressed and alone in the same way that Momo was and got his reunion and that inspired Momo to be like, I can fucking do that too. And yeah. now that the world is open, those barriers are taken away and they can reconnect. It's so beautiful. They're gonna have to rebuild like the end of Wally. Yeah. <laughs> because as Wally. Just no humans this time. No. Uh -uh. You know, it makes me wonder because you know how B12 was a human that uploaded into a robot. I'm wondering if those companions deep underground were at one point that humans that had uploaded themselves into other robots. Mm. If that's what the difference is, why there are those robots that have evolved and there are the other robots that don't. But I mean, that's also just, you know, the classic argument. Well, if we evolved from monkeys, why are there still monkeys? You know, whatever kind of bullshit. Yeah, I feel you. Oh, there's so much to explore and there's so much, you know, theorizing you can do. But, you know, we like to stick to the facts. Yeah, we're, we only delved into a couple of theories and we notated those. But the rest of this is purely what happened. Yeah. And me making shit up but <laughs> tom usually calls that out so you know when i'm <laughs> fucking with you the cat's name is not henry <laughs> you can name him whatever you want in your head <laughs> it's great all right goombas that is another episode of the other castle be sure to follow us on instagram we have had some pretty cool reels we did a recap of some cosplay we saw and appreciated we've been doing some vignettes of cosplay ourselves and we'll be showing off some cool stray action on there as well as our facebook and all the other information is in our show notes like our email address uh we didn't get any requests for stray but we have been getting a lot of requests for other games Psychonauts, one of our recent games, was very highly requested. So we do read, we do listen. We just got to make time to play. Yeah. <laughs> That's the trick of it, That's guys. That's the big part. Yeah. All right. Well, until next time, everybody. Bring your bags to the grocery store. This is Tom and Andrea reminding you not to skip the cutscenes. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Bye.